Welcome to the Driving You Crazy Podcast. It's the only podcast where two guys named Jason and Joseph talk traffic, transportation, and all things happening on the roads. That's I'm, called a niche right there. <laughs> I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7 overnight producer Joseph Peters. Joseph, I know you've missed me. I got back to work today after a couple of days in the mountains. I did some spring skiing with my girls. Uh, here's a pro tip, by the way. Sun can get you from both sides. <laughs> the sky and the ground. That's what I'm talking about. That's true. Uh, because the with the reflection on my eyes are killing me. Uh, what, my face is really red. What is the f- term for that? There's a technical term for that, right? Sunburns. Well, no, the opposite though. When it gets <laughs> it's like sun, burn, sun glare, know. right? Sun, well, yeah. There's yeah. sun glare. Yeah. There's sunburn. There's sun reflection. There's a lot of things that happen. The sun's a long way away, but you know what? It can burn you. Yep. And it hurts. And I'm telling you, my eyeballs. I think the inside of my eyeballs are burned. Ugh. Uh, the snow was slushy, but it was still a fun time. Went up to Granby Ranch. Uh, so that was, it was nice. It was, it was, it was a good time was had by all. Got you. Well, let's get a pro tip from you. Where does an absolute beginner go to like really learn on a bunny hill in this city? Well, you know what? That's actually, Eldora is not bad because it's close and they have some good hill, you know, some uh, easy slopes. The Granby Ranch was actually pretty good okay. because they have this one center part where it has a little chairlift, right? And you just go down this nice gentle slope and it's long enough where you can get some speed so you can practice, right? Okay. But it's not too long where you're going to get so frustrated and, and hate your life. And then you can go up the more gentle slopes. They do have a, a some green and blue ones on one side of the hill and then mm-hmm. some uh, black diamonds on the other one. Uh, and they were really nice, easy runs. It was actually pretty enjoyable. Interesting. Um, Loveland I... Valley okay. actually has a pretty good, easy one right there. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of greens and blues in some of these mountains. You get a lot of black diamonds and double blacks out no, here. No, well, there are a lot of that. But there's, there's a <laughs> lot of other good ones. There's a lot of easy places. But we'll, we'll get you on skis. We'll get you, you know. Acquainted, eventually. Next winter. We'll get you on something. We'll get you on a couple of sticks. Wax sticks, as they like to call them. Uh, anyway, uh, we get, <laughs> I, you know, I had to ski mostly backwards the whole time to get Jolene to get, get, get her ski legs, and then off she goes. And then now she's going 100 miles an hour. Does she hit turns at all, or does she just bullet it straight now, down? No, now she turns. She actually, so Jaylin, the older one, she actually learned to do the, what, it was snowplow when I was growing up, but now they call it the pizza or whatever they, they do. They do call it the pizza. Anyway, so she does that mostly with a little bit of turns, but Jolene, she's five and a half, and now she's just, she's, she learned just basically with the turns she's not doing the snow plow Perfect. and she does great she does her little turns and she slows down because i told her she can turn to stop and she oh she is just My she's man. gonna be great all right uh, so you know we get press releases all the time here that's just the nature of the business mm-hmm. uh, most have value to the on-air newscast while others don't here's my nomination for the most ridiculous press release of the week it could be probably for the month or the possibly the year I have to read this even though it has nothing to do with transportation. Are you, are you ready for this? Absolutely. Here's the headline. Preventing pee in the pool, improving the water we enjoy, and the air we breathe. Dateline, Colorado Springs. Oh. The National <laughs> Swimming Pool Foundation has recommendations to improve water and air quality by reducing urine in pools. A few small changes by coaches, parents, and facility managers can prevent pee in the pool. After all, the swimmers, parents, and coaches have the most to gain since they are the ones who are exposed to the water and breathing the air. Yes, this is actually an official press release about getting people to stop peeing in the pool. Is it about stopping it, or is it about cleaning it out quick? No, 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 about stopping it. Okay. Getting you not to do it. Okay. All right, so it continues. First, we should all encourage showers and bathroom breaks before entering the water. That's true. It is important to recognize that being submerged in water stimulates the body to create more urine. 
Swim coaches should require bathroom breaks 30 to 60 minutes into the practice. Okay. For example, it takes about 40 minutes in the water for a person to feel the need to urinate. A short break that borders this time frame will reduce peeing in the pool. Parents should reduce an out-of-pool time for snacks, sunscreen, and bathroom breaks every 30 to 60 minutes. Isn't that called adult swim? Really? Honestly? I was on the swim team in high school. That's, it, it, that's so true. So but, here, here the, the press release continued, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. He's this is all right. Here's the quote from the news director when one reporter suggested he actually wanted to talk to a local recreation center about this and do a story for the evening show. Okay, she said, "quote Seriously, this is not a story. I'm embarrassed for this group for sending out this release." Unquote. I agree. I mean, come on. It, it makes more sad that it coming from Colorado Springs, the home to the Great Wolf Lodge with a huge indoor water park. Well, it's also the home to the National Swimming Pool Foundation, right? That sent out the release, I would assume. Maybe they wrote this as a release for them, for the Great Wolf Lodge. I mean, just file it un- unnecessary, right? Now Colorado will be known for recreational pot and peeing in the pool. Well. Perfect. Other stuff, too. No. <laughs> skiing, peeing in the pool, and recreational pot. 10-4. CDOT just conducted a statewide driver's survey asking drivers a bunch of questions about their driving habits, right? Well, nearly 25% of the people who filled out the survey said they read a text or an email or a social post on their phones while driving. I'm surprised it actually isn't higher. It, it is higher. There's a lot of people lying on that survey. Yeah, because I think some people might not be telling the exact truth. Right. Or they're just too busy texting while they're uh, driving on the highway to complete the study. <laughs> right? Absolutely. All right. So the survey, survey. So the survey also finds that nearly 40% of adult drinkers drove within two hours of drinking alcohol. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you're out to dinner, you're going to be drinking. Drinking uh, dinner lasts for less than, what, two hours? And you're most likely going to have, you know, a beer or a glass of wine, right? Uh, You're not in bad shape with one drink at dinner. Right. This is why the BAC the BAC limit is where it's at, where it is. It's not at zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, I mean, honestly. But two and five. I mean, I think a lot of people are educated not to drink and drive, and the people who do it anyway are probably the ones who have the more serious issues with well, self control, right? Yes, because you can have a glass of wine or or a beer. You're just not supposed to have seven or twelve. <laughs> All right. Regarding seatbelts, responders say pickup truck drivers are less likely to buckle up, especially on local roads. That's pickup trucks. Yes. Okay. Uh, the highlights of the survey include the number of people who drive over the speed limit is increasing 69% up from 65%. Well, I, I see that all the time. There's a lot more speeders around. Mm-hmm. 45% of Coloradans say they speed some of the time. 24% say they speed all or most of the time. That's that's one in four people that say they speed all of the time. All and I've been the on the time. highway. I do not believe that one either. The number is definitely lower than that in this state. Coloradans, whose primary vehicle was a pickup truck, were most likely to say they never wear seatbelts. However, the large majority of all people wear seatbelts on highways. I, I think that's just a, rea- a r- rural thing versus a, uh urban thing. I think that's just... And there's uh, more pick, pickup trucks it's on the just farm a problem. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's always the way it has been. Uh, regarding enforcement of the seatbelt law, 65% of respondents say that non-seatbelt use should be a primary violation. 
Right now, it's a secondary violation. You get ticketed if you get pulled over for something else, right? So a primary violation, they could just pull you over for not wearing a seatbelt. Exactly. It should still be a secondary violation. Most people who did not buckle up, though, thought a reminder such as a buzzer would help them remember to buckle up. You know, the ones that I really hate are the ones in rental cars. Well, and they have them in most cars, too, I think. Like, my wife and I, when we're riding together, if I don't buckle up, by the time we're out of the parking lot, the thing's dead. Maybe the worse the sound, the better. So, like, maybe your car should make the sound like fingernails on a chalkboard. Oh, or, the, you know, that sound that a mosquito makes when it gets into your ear when it's buzzing? I do know that sound, too, and that's not pleasant either. I, you, maybe, yeah. maybe that would get you to wear your seatbelt. All right. Now, when it comes to distracted driving, they say 62% reported at least sometimes selecting entertainment on a CD player, phone, radio, whatever, on a device while they're driving in the week prior to the survey. So nearly 4 in 10 are not listening to anything. So you, you have 62% listening to something while they're in the car. And 40% or so not listening to anything in the car. What are they doing? Well, not necessarily, right? That could just be the 40 silence? Well, it could be just the 40% that never switched their radio from ESPN radio or the country station or something like that. Oh, so it's just always on. They're just not fiddling with it, yeah. Uh, 57% of those who used marijuana drove a motor vehicle within two hours after consuming. Uh, That is a different story, I think, than driving a couple hours after having a beer because... Obviously, the pot lasts longer in your system than the beer does. Well, absolutely. And I think that's also, I don't know if that takes into account medical versus recreational. Well, still, marijuana is marijuana. It's so true. And I mean, you know. And that figure surprises me that almost 60% are driving after using after two hours. I think a lot. I think there's a perception out there that it's not a big deal. And it's one that CDOT and a lot of other people are trying to fight very hard right now. Uh, On average, those who drive after drinking did so three days a month. On average, those who drive after consuming marijuana did so 12 days a month. That is also surprising to me. I think more people are daily marijuana users than daily drinkers would be my assumption there. Yeah, right. So that would be why they're driving more often. I think it's kind of scary that people, I mean, if you figure they're drinking and driving three times a month, even if it is only one drink, buzz driving is drunk driving, right? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) The more you know. Ding, 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 ding. 73% would feel comfortable driving after having one or two drinks in a two-hour period. I I mean, I'm one of those people. I mean, after having a beer, I, I think I'm okay. But if I have seven or twelve, I'm not right. Even even three. I mean, realistically, right? Well, yeah. Then you're pretty much over the limit, and then yep. again, you're in that buzz driving zone, right? Yep. All right. So they um, they're they're really serious about cracking down on uh, in the UK to get people to stop using their cell phones while they're driving. Get this: they just passed a new law that says if you're caught using your phone while you're driving within two years of passing your driver's test, you have your license revoked. It's gone. You got it taken away. The texting law in the UK stipulates that it's illegal to use handheld phones or similar devices while you're driving or riding a motorcycle. Well, that'd be a neat trick. Uh, the rules are the same if you're stopped at a traffic light or sitting in traffic. Uh, and the penalty for using a phone while you're driving for everyone will double to six points on your license or a 2,000-pound fine, which is about 250 bucks. So the move comes as the British government is launching this huge advertising campaign about distracted driving, police crackdown, all that stuff. Well, this perfectly leads me to this idea that will make you think. It'll make you go, hmm. And this comes from Joel Kurt. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. It's Kurt Kurt in to Kurt it Kurt in itis it. I can't even say it. Curtinitus. See, I cannot say this at all. Oh my god. All right. Jason, this comes from Joel Curtinitus. Thank you very much. This comes from Joel Curtinitus, who wrote a guest column for the Des Moines Register. 
He suggests that the real reason the state legislators around the country are increasing fines for cell phone, cell phone use, whether it be texting or any use at all, isn't about safety at all. It's all about the Benjamins. Yes, he says, it's a money grab. You can be about public safety and grab the money too, right? Well, yeah, I think you could. All right, Joel, here, here's what he says. Joel says that there are a couple of bills in the Iowa state legislature. One purports to limit distracted driving by banning the use of handheld devices while driving. Another would make texting while you're driving a primary offense, right? So Joel says, I know we're going to hear a lot of stories about people who use phones and got into terrible accidents. So before the rhetoric heats up and the emotional appeals begin, let's get the facts straight and find out whether this ban is really about safety or revenue. First of all, most of the groups supporting this bill stand to gain something from it. If you want to know why a bill is getting pushed, just follow the lobbyist declarations. This ban is supported by cell phone companies, insurance companies, lawyers, and law enforcement. You know, the guys who drive around with laptops sticking out of dash consoles with more buttons than the Millennium Falcon. Mike Triplett, a lobbyist for the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers, wasn't even coy about his group's stake in the bill, noting that automakers have spent millions of dollars on research and development, making it possible for motorists to send a voice text using hands-free devices, as well as to place a phone call, all for the price of a new car from one of the companies he represents, of course. Cellular companies benefit from selling additional products and services. Anyone who wants to make calls or stream music while they're driving have new devices or data on their plan, and government agencies stand to gain revenue from fines and fees, Lawyers and insurance companies stand to benefit from a lot of instant criminality and court challenges, and I'm sure they're all worried about your safety, though. Second, the ban is incredibly regressive. Wealthy Iowans have nothing to fear from such bans since they can afford new features, devices, and cars if necessary, but for those of us driving 15-year-old rust buckets, often can't afford a new car or hands-free retrofit or an additional data fee on our cell plan. Additionally, as the ACLU pointed out in opposition, the ability to pull people over for glancing at their phone could easily be leveraged against low-income minorities who have exhibited no other cause for suspicion. Now, this is where I disagree with Joel. All right, you're going to have to say the last name. Kernitidis? Okay, I'll go with that. Sure. Uh, Should I spell it for you? No, you're good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He wrote the guest column here for the Des Moines Register. He's All right, so this is where I disagree. Third, there's little evidence that cell phone use is causing a spike in accidents when compared with other forms of distracted driving, and there's even less evidence that cell phone bans result in safer roads. Obviously, cell phones are distracting, and they and you can see it when you see somebody on the phone and they're weaving all over the road. Fourteen states, along with D.C., have already banned cell phone use while driving, but data from those states, they, it, this is what he says, finds no reduction in crashes after implementation of the ban. There is also no statistical distinction between drivers using their phones and drivers using hands-free technology, leading some to conclude that hands-free features could actually make driving more dangerous. All of it is distracting. I mean, come on. All right, so uh, Joel continues. Iowa's legislature needs to focus on protecting the liberty of everyday Iowans, not adding more revenue streams under the pretense of public safety. Now, he does make a lot of sense. I mean, you remember one of those famous lines in the Watergate movie, right? Follow the money. Right. If you just follow the money, Joel's argument makes sense. But... Could this also be a case where the cell phone companies and others are just trying to stay ahead of these laws that they see are already coming across the books, and and they might think this is the right thing to do? I mean, his argument doesn't make much sense, though, does it? 
Yeah, it does. I, he's, I, he's he's saying that this is all a money grab, that it's you, it, you follow the lobbyists. And I agree okay, with following but the lobbyists. Not, is it really a money grab? I mean, is anybody rushing out to buy a new vehicle because it has a hands-free feature if they weren't rushing out to buy a new vehicle anyway? Of course not. That's ridiculous. And the, furthermore, I mean, is there any proof that cell phone bans have reduced tra- have reduced car accidents? No, of course not. Not the Because people subject. are still doing it, and there's no way to enforce it. Right. And so, I mean, the idea that this could be targeted at low-income people and minorities, okay, fine. Fine. I mean, yeah, that's entirely plausible. But it's going to make our roads safer if people know that they can be punished for being on their phone while driving. Yes, being distracted by other things is fine. But what is wrong with paying attention to driving while you're driving? Yeah, nothing. Nothing is wrong with that. Well said, sir. Thank you. Well said. Uh, let's take a break for news. Wait, wait, wait. You don't. We don't do news here. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> do do we? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, maybe we do news here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Uh, coming up. Imagine a world where you never have to worry about hitting a pothole ever again. That and much, much more. The Driving You Crazy podcast continues. It's the Driving You Crazy podcast with your host, Jason Luber. I feel like the Denver 7 morning show is unlike any other morning show. Everyone's just so energetic, and you can tell they care about everything that they're talking about. When it comes to the traffic with Jason or weather with Lisa, uh, they're just so passionate about both of uh, those angles of our morning news. And then just watching Dale and Mitch interact and talk about some of the things that they're familiar with. It really makes a difference when it comes to the news, because you could just tell that everything they're saying, they're involving themselves in, and uh, it's... It's just a a great show, very entertaining. Amanda Del Castillo, only on Denver 7. The Denver 7 Morning Show is a great mix of kind of everything. Obviously, the breaking news that you need, the weather and the traffic as you wake up and get out the door. But then we like to have some fun, too. We actually have personalities, whether it's Jason Luber and Lisa. They're always getting on each other and whatnot. Dale and Mitch. And then even us reporters out in the field, we like to have fun from time to time and then tell you the news that you need before you get out the door. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber, along with Joseph Peters. By the way, this is what it would sound like if you let a group of drummers use your kitchen as their own personal percussion studio. Personally, it would drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, they're drumming and they've got to stop. All right, stop this. Stop the music. Thank you. Joseph, uh, do you have a bumper sticker? No. No, don't believe in bumper stickers. Well, that's good. Uh, cause, just because of the no, you don't like the sayings or you don't want to devalue your car? You know, honestly, both. It started as not wanting to devalue my car, but also, what do I... What do I really stand for that I feel strongly <laughs> enough to devalue my car, right? Well, police in Nashville, get this, pulled over a guy... And gave him a ticket for having an obscene bumper sticker on his car. Now, the bumper sticker depicts two stick figures in a sexual act, they say. Underneath the stick figures were the words, quote, making my family, unquote. Now, the driver, Dustin Owens, was given a citation with an order to remove the bumper sticker within 45 days. Owens says he doesn't plan on removing the sticker And he now has sued Nashville Metro Police, saying the bumper sticker is free speech under the First Amendment. Here we go. Tennessee law prohibits, quote, obscene or patently offensive bumper stickers, unquote. 
in part two, avoid distracting other drivers and therefore reduce the likelihood of accidents. Hmm. Dustin Owens says he believes many other things he sees on the roadways are much more distracting than his bumper sticker. That's false. That's, that's just straight up false. <laughs> he says, quote, I'm not even mad at the cops. I mean, he's doing his job. I'm not here to bash the police. I just don't think it should be in their hands, unquote. All right. Owen says everyone has rights and should fight for what they believe in. Now, in Colorado, I looked it up. The only mention of obscene I could find in the driver's manual is referring to aggressive driving and making an obscene gesture, like the one-finger salute. I didn't find any other Colorado law similar to this one in Tennessee, probably because of First Amendment concerns. Um, I've seen some pretty offensive bumper stickers in my day. Agreed. Um, Props to the state of Tennessee for making this a public safety issue and saying that they don't want these obscene bumper stickers because they don't want other drivers to be distracted. How about we just don't have them on the road because they're obscene? Like, we just we don't, we don't need that. I don't know if Dustin needs to be censored, but there's definitely a line there somewhere that we don't need It's to the old obscene, what is it? Well, you, you know, know it when you in, see it. Right. Yep. Because, uh, you know, I'm a big boy. I'm, I'm all for the First Amendment. I, I do try to shelter my young girl's eyes from such things. It's difficult as they're now using Chromebooks and iPads in the second grade. You're done. Um, I mean, there's going to be time for my girls to see that kind of stuff. Right. But I also believe in the First Amendment and your right to self-expression, and they are in public places. So if you're out there uh, with your private car on a public road in a public space, should you be able to do those sort of things? Well, First Amendment says yes, and and I agree with that. Um, Do I want my girls to see it? No. Right. I guess that's what it comes down to, right? Dustin. What a crusader. Oh, he is. He's, you know, he's going to, he's taking this one all the way. I hope he sells the car to a First Amendment museum, too. <laughs> this guy. He will. You know, you're going to hear a lot more about this. You are. Dustin. But I'm surprised. But of course, it's Tennessee that, that can, passed such a. Can we get Dustin Owens on the show? We could try. We're going to try to get Dustin Owens on the show. We could definitely try. Uh, you know, hitting a pothole is one of the worst feelings you can have while you're driving, right? So imagine if your car could warn you if you're getting close to one and keep you from driving into it. That's pretty neat. Well, Ford is actually working on cars that would be equipped with cameras that could constantly scan the road. And that scan would then be shared with the other road scans that are coming in from the other Fords and then end up on a dashboard display right there on in your car so you could avoid all the road hazards. This idea is being tested out by Ford and their research center in Germany. Some Ford models already use sensors to detect potholes and then automatically they adjust their suspension to reduce the vehicle damage if they do hit a pothole, which okay. is pretty amazing, I think. But for them to share that information, it's very similar to what CDOT is working with, uh, Panasonic, I believe it is, that uh, where all the vehicles are going to share information as they're driving on I-70 about incidents and road temperatures and all these different aspects of what's happening with the cars as they're driving to hopefully help cars moving. Yep. Because you know what the next step from that is, right? Is uh, you track individual drivers and you track their habits and patterns and how they yeah. deal with different weather conditions. And then certain drivers get banned from driving at certain points. Perfect. Well, some of the researchers pointed out during this uh, test that uh, encouraging drivers to avoid all routes with potholes might cause congestion in other areas. And there could be cheaper ways of solving the problem, such as improving the road surface. Well, ask the state of Colorado how they're dealing with that. Uh, potholes, pothole sensing technology, it's been a development for years. In 2015, Jaguar and Land Rover said they were working on systems to automatically gather information about potholes from cars fitted with sensors. And the U.K., city of York, announced it's going to fit pothole detecting cameras to their trash trucks 
to gather road data and then better target repairs for the city crews. So pothole damages, they say, affects 39% of drivers. That's according to a AAA survey last year. God, that seems low. 39% yeah. deal with potholes? Is that just people who have extreme problems with pot? I, well, that's... just think about the frost, the freeze frost line across the country. That's it's so Forty percent are living above it, and sixty percent are living below it. But even Miami, Savannah, yeah. places like that. I mean, you're still You'll getting potholes in the roads. Yeah, yeah but not crazy. as many as in the cold weather that's places. True. All right, so that leads me into this new JD Power annual reliability study of new cars, and it seems that technology related issues, particularly regarding the complex infotainment, smart phones connectivity stuff, the voice recognition systems, all that, are actually hurting the ratings of new vehicles. Uh, the top 10 list of problems, here you go, reported in 2017, is battery failure. Because, <laughs> there you go. Yep. In fact, 44% more owners report battery failure than last year. They're the most frequently replaced component, not related to normal wear and tear. Huh. So why are batteries such a problem, Joseph? Well, according to car care expert Bob Weber, I can say his name easily. There you go. He, he's a certified master automobile technician and Chicago Tribune's Motormouth columnist. Uh, that's a long business card. Okay. We can lay, he says, we can lay all the blame on auto electronic systems and the car owners themselves. He says batteries are not getting adequately charged when driving because, because infotainment systems and the other systems in the car are power hogs and they're draining the battery. That's so true. That's so true. And they're not only are they power hogs, but I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your survey, but they also charge when the car's not on, right? A lot right. of them stay on when the car's not on, and they're sucking from the battery when they're never giving anything back. He says the key system that allows the owner to unlock and start your car, like the remote starters, while keeping the key fob in your pocket, I guess, or purse, it's a great convenience, but it's draining your car battery at an accelerated rate. When the key fob is kept within close proximity or is left inside the vehicle, the transmitter and receiver continue to communicate with the vehicle, and this is depleting the car's battery. He also says the computer system updates man- maintenance data, uh, doing all kinds of system stuff, uh, is also, at the same time, draining your battery. So such problems are more common among the large luxury cars, right, with all the options and all the computer stuff that they have. It's less equipped models that are just drained when you leave your headlights on, right? Right. Uh, So the battery problems are particularly pronounced among drivers who only drive their cars for short distances at a time. They say it prevents the battery from getting fully saturated and fully charged. That is critical for its longevity. The experts say, fortunately, the solution here is an easy one. You just, if your car comes with a push-button entry start system, don't leave the controlling key fob in your car or within close proximity to your car while you're parked. If you are if you tend to take short-range trips, like running the kids to school or, or going up to the grocery store, right. well, or you're just sitting around, let's say, in heavy traffic with the lights on, the climate control on, all the accessories going, right? Well, then take it out every couple of weeks and treat it to an extended period of higher-speed driving, and that will give it time to charge the battery. So, to clarify... This man is saying, for the maintenance of your car, <laughs> you should go on long, fast weekend drives. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. This is the best news of the week, Jason. He says, if a car is regularly garaged for extended periods, consider using a trickle charger to ensure the battery remains at full capacity. Or just go driving out like on a weekend yeah. road trip. Uh, beyond that, the AAA suggests that motorists have their car battery checked about 
twice a year as part of their regular inspections to ensure that it's working right. Uh, winter, obviously. Summer can put a lot of strain on the battery. We all know that. Well, and battery strain creates alternator strain, too, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, your alternator is not going to drain. That's just a that's just a it's just basically a charger. Okay. Um, so it's the one that will charge the battery. So, um, no, it doesn't. It there's not okay. There's gotcha. no power that it saves or anything like that. Okay. It's just a mechanism. Uh, so, and that leads me to this story. So, let's say you're driving down the road, right? And your tire pops, or your engine just stops for whatever reason, and you run out of window washer fluid. Right. Okay. You as a human driver could probably react quickly enough to figure out how to handle that emergency situation, right? Because you can figure out, all right, that's not working. Tire pops. I have to pull over, you know, handle the car, make sure it doesn't run off the road. Okay. But do you think a self-driving car could do that? Yes. Why not? Here's a story from the IB Times in the UK that reads, how will autonomous cars react when critical components break? Okay. Because this is a this is a legitimate it's threat. It's come up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's critical that autonomous cars can not only drive themselves, but also recognize when something fails or something goes wrong, and then alert the person or the people that are in the car to quickly take action, and and, and then and then become the human driver. Well, the number one thing is going to be when your brakes fail, right? You you want your automatic your self driving car to be like, oh, the brakes are out. We got to figure out a way to get off the road safely. I would think if a tire pops, that would be one of the agreed quickest yeah. ones. So speaking to the IB Times UK at the Geneva Motor Show, BMW's senior engineer of autonomous driving, Kirk Wesselman, Wessel Wesselman. I am having a hard time with names today. We need we need more Bob Smiths in the world. Yeah. Well, anyway, Dirk said, "quote Let's say there is a technical failure, like the steering support fails." This should not lead to critical situations because if this happens in a curve, the car will go straight into the oncoming lane. We have to avoid this, unquote. You think? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if you've seen the inside of some of these prototypes for self-driving cars, they actually don't have somebody behind the wheel. They have a wheel, but then they have seats that are just just around. They're almost like you're driving in an RV. Yes, that's what I would – or like um – I always picture it as just like four people sitting around a table. You know, right. it's almost like a restaurant booth yes, in there. Yes, exactly. And and so you're not able just to go all of a sudden and spring into action like you're sitting behind the wheel waiting for the moment that something happens, and then you can spring into action. Right. Everybody's just relaxed and chilling and hanging out. I bring it on, man. I can't wait for self-driving cars. So back to the IB time story here. The solution, uh, this guy says, is a redundancy system where the car not only recognizes the problem – but alerts the driver and keeps control until it can hand back control to the driver. Okay. He says, we will create a kind of redundancy where the car will see there is a failure. Then the driver will be informed and told, please take over again. We have a problem. All right. If you're, if you're, honestly, do you have time for that? You don't have time for that if you're... <laughs> That's a very wordy description. What it's basically going to say is, alert, alert, driver take control, right? I mean, that's going to be it's the extent like the, of it. It's like the old lost in space. Will Robinson, danger, danger. Right. So you have the two seconds for the alarm, another second for the driver to get behind the wheel, two seconds for the driver to then identify the problem, and now you're off the road. He says the, dri- the car will still be able to drive itself for uh, 10 seconds. It takes for the driver to take over again. Yep. 10 seconds? You know, if you lose your tire and you're already sudden, you're, you're starting to fishtail, you don't have 10 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. That's the safety warning that they give you on the plane. It's like, make sure to be safe and put your air oxygen Uh mask over your face. Yeah, not after I used my seat as a toilet. Uh, This guy (laughs) from BMW added, we aim to be ready with with a car which can be fully autonomous by 2020 or 2021. 
BMW is shooting for 2020-2021 for fully autonomous cars. I, I mean, they're, they're going to have to follow the laws, though. I mean, it's going to be a long time before I think any state legislature, and it will in America start in the states. It will not start at the federal level, I don't think. I am really bad at uh, doing this podcast today. It's okay. <laughs> we have no time constraints. It's, so I think, it's you know good. what, I still, I still think I am on uh, mountain time right now. Yeah? I mean, there was no time change. It was just I was on ski time. Yeah, actual mountain time. Actual mountain time. There I was on go. the mountains, in the mountains, and I'm on that time still. There you go. Because as I get older, I hope to also be fully autonomous by 2021. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, Joseph, but it would sure be nice, especially because every one of the muscles in my leg and feet, they hurt. Yeah, I believe that. You use so many different muscles when you're skiing that you normally don't use. Mm-hmm. Apparently, my mouth was one of them. There you go. Not enough shots. You need more of that uh, Dr. McGillicuddy's, right? It's not easy getting closer and closer to 50, Joseph. Yep. It's just really not. You'll you'll see in about, what, 25 years. <laughs> A little less than that, but yeah. Goodness gracious. Well, thank you for your contribution today. Anytime. Yeah, I, I just got to wrap this up because I am... And it's hot in this room. It is hot in here today, man. Somebody jacked it up to like 75. I would, I would open the door, but I'm sure the desk people would get freaked out. Beautiful stuff. All right, they're all looking at me. Uh, all right, anyway, thanks again for being here on this podcast. It's gone off the rails. We'll get right. it back together next We're time. We're going to get... What's our boy, Dustin Owen? Oh, we got to get Dustin. I got to find out. I where. absolutely want this kid on the podcast. This all guy right. is a crusader. I think he's brilliant. I can't wait to hear from him. All right, I'll figure that out. Uh, thanks again for uh, being here. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm the traffic guy, Jason Luber. I'm the overnight producer, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.